0: Chapter Seventeen of Marie Antoinette and the Downfall of Royalty This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada marie antoinette and the downfall of royalty by imbert de saint Amand, translated by elizabeth g martin chapter seventeen the prologue to june twentieth on retiring from the ministry dumouriez left his successors a burden far too heavy for their shoulders and under which they were to succumb the new ministers terrier de montcel and chambonaz were almost unknown men who had no definite decided opinions and offered no resistance to disorder for that matter they had no means of doing so the political system then in power had left paris a helpless prey to sedition by the new laws the executive power could take no direct action looking to the preservation of public order in any french commune any minister or departmental administration that should adopt a police regulation or give a commander armed forces would be guilty of betraying a trust the power to prevent or repress this order belonged exclusively to the municipal authority which in paris was composed of a mayor sixteen administrators thirty-two municipal councillors a council-general of ninety-six notables an attorney-general and his two substitutes this body of one hundred and forty-eight members was the redoubtable power known as the commune of paris it was not composed entirely of seditious persons and in the National Guard also there were still battalions fervently devoted to the constitutional monarchy but ption was mayor of paris Manuel the attorney-general and danton his substitute seditious movements were sure to find instigators and accomplices in these three men moreover the insurrection was regularly organized it had its muster-rolls its officers sergeants soldiers its strategy and plans of battle it utilized wine-shops as guard-houses the faubourgs as barracks the red bonnets and the carmagnole or revolutionary jacket as the uniform its agitators distributed wine beer and brandy gratuitously The Jacobins, or the cordeliers, had but to give the signal for a riot, and a riot sprang out of the ground. The mine was loaded. The only question was when to fire the train. The Girondins were of one mind with the Jacobins. Exasperated by the dismissal of three ministers who shared their opinions, they wanted to intimidate the court by means of popular tumult and thus forced the unhappy sovereign to sanction the two decrees concerning the deportation of priests and the camp of twenty thousand men the populace already manifested their restlessness by threats and strange rumors at the jacobin club the most violent propositions were mooted some wanted to establish a minority on the ground of the king's mental alienation some to send the queen back to austria the more moderate talked of suppressing the army dismissing the staff officers of the national guard depriving the king of the right of veto and electing a constituent assembly revolutionary conventicles multiplied beyond all measure the division of paris into forty-eight sections became an exhaustless source of confusion the assembly of each section transformed itself into a club meanwhile the moderate party rested all its hopes on lafayette who was friendly not only to liberty but to order he considered himself the founder of the new monarchy of constitutional royalty but for that very reason he felt that he had duties toward the king despising the reactionists whose hopes were more or less enlisted on behalf of the foreign armies he also detested the jacobins who were dishonoring and compromising the new order of things he expressed both sentiments in a letter addressed to the national assembly and written from the entrenched camp of mauburge june sixteenth seventeen ninety two the fourth year of liberty can you conceal from yourselves he says in it that a faction and to use plain terms the jacobin faction has caused all these disorders i make the accusation boldly organized like a separate empire with its capital and its affiliations blindly directed by certain ambitious chiefs this sect forms a distinct body in the midst of the french people whose power it usurps by subjugating its representatives and agents in its public meetings attachment to the laws is named aristocracy and disobedience to them patriotism there the assassins of deciles are received in triumph and jordan's insentiate clamor find panegyrics. there the story of the assassinations which defile the city of metz is still greeted with infernal applause lafayette puts himself courageously forward in his letter as to me gentlemen who espoused the american cause at the very time when the ambassadors assured me it was lost who from that period devoted myself to a persistent defence of the liberty and sovereignty of the peoples who on june eleventh seventeen eighty nine in presenting a declaration of rights to my country dared to say for a nation to be free all that is necessary is that it shall will to be so i come to-day full of confidence in the justice of our cause of scorn for the cowards who desert it and of indignation against the traitors who would sully it i come to declare that the french nation if it be not the vilest in the universe can and ought to resist the conspiracy of kings which has been leagued against it at the same time the general enthusiastically praised his soldiers doubtless it is not within the bosom of my brave army that sentiments of timidity are permissible patriotism energy discipline patience mutual confidence all civic and military virtues i find here here the principles of liberty and equality are cherished the laws respected and property held sacred here neither calumnies nor seditions are known including both revolutionists and reactionists in the same accusation lafayette makes this reflection what a remarkable conformity of language exists gentlemen between those seditious persons acknowledged by the aristocracy and those who usurp the name of patriots all are alike ready to repeal our laws to rejoice in disorders to rebel against the authorities granted by the people to detest the national guard to preach indiscipline to the army and almost to disseminate distrust and discouragement lafayette concludes in these words let the royal power be intact for it is guaranteed by the constitution let it be independent for this independence is one of the forces of our liberty let the king be revered for he is invested with the national majesty let him choose a ministry unhampered by the yoke of any faction if conspirators exist let them perish only by the sword of law finally let the reign of clubs brought to nothing but you give place to the reign of law their disorganizing maxims to the true principles of liberty their delirious fury to the calm courage of a nation which knows its rights and which defends them lafayette's letter was read to the assembly at the session of june eighteen the noble thoughts it expresses produced at first a favorable impression and it was greeted with much applause for an instance the girondins were disconcerted but feeling themselves supported by the jacobins who lined the galleries they soon resumed the offensive what does the advice of the general of the army amount to said virgenot if it is not law godet maintained that the letter must be apocryphal. when cromwell used such language said he liberty was at an end in england and i cannot persuade myself that the emulator of washington desires to imitate the conduct of the protector we no longer have a constitution if a general can give us laws the allusion to cromwell produced its effect the letter instead of being published and copies sent to the eighty three departments was merely referred to committee nevertheless public opinion was aroused a reactionary sentiment against the jacobins began to show itself the king might have profited by it and found his account in relying upon lafayette the army and the national guard but louis the sixteenth was in too much haste his resistance like his concessions was maladroit and inopportune without having combined his means of defense consulted with lafayette or having any troops at his disposal he vetoed the two famous decrees june nineteenth and thus threw himself headlong into the snare the revolution which had laid in wait for him would not let its prey escape it gave lafayette no time to arrive but without losing a minute organized an insurrection for the next day the royal tree had been so violently shaken that it needed or so they thought but one more shock to lay it low and root it out on june sixteenth a request had been presented to the council-general of the commune asking them to authorize the citizens of the faubourg saint-antoine to assemble in arms on june twentieth the anniversary of the oath of the jeu de Pomme, and present a petition to the assembly and the king the council had passed to the order of the day but the petitioners declared that they would assemble notwithstanding on the nineteenth the directory of the department which on all occasions had shown itself inimical to agitators and which was presided over by the duc de rochefoucauld issued an order forbidding all armed gatherings and enjoining the commandant-general and the mayor to take all necessary measures for dispersing them this order was communicated to the national assembly by the minister of the interior at the evening session it is important said a deputy that the assembly should know the decrees of the administrative bodies when they attend to assure public tranquillity nobody is ignorant that at this moment the people are greatly agitated nobody is ignorant that tomorrow threatens to be a day of violence replied i do not know whether or not to-morrow is to be the day of troubles but i cannot understand how m Biquet, who is always so constitutional here there was a laughter and applause how m Biquet, by an inversion of law and order desires the national assembly to occupy itself with police regulations the decree of the directory was read nevertheless but the assembly far from supporting it passed to the order of the day the rioters had nothing to fear during the same session a deputation of citizens from marseilles had been presented at the bar of the assembly the orator of this deputation thus expressed himself french liberty is in danger the free men of the south are ready to march in its defence the day of the people's wrath has come at last the people whom they have always sought to ruin or enslave are tired of parrying blows they want to inflict them and to annihilate conspiracies it is time for the people to rise this lion generous but enraged is about to quit his repose and spring upon the pack of conspirators here the galleries applauded furiously the orator continued the popular force is your force employ it no quarter since you can expect none the applause and enthusiastic cries of the galleries redoubled somebody demanded that the speech should be sent to the eighty-three departments of france a deputy monsieur roheur was courageous enough to exclaim it is not by the harangues of seditious persons that the departments should be instructed another deputy mr Le pour vous responded it is surprising that men born under a burning sun should have a more ardent imagination and a patriotism more energetic than ours the question whether the discourse should be sent to the departments was put to a vote and the president and secretaries declared that the assembly had decided against it this did not suit the public in the galleries they howled they vociferated they claimed that the result was doubtful they demanded a viva voce count this demand alarmed those deputies who never dared to look the revolution in the face a new vote was taken and this time the sending of the address to the eighty-three departments was decreed with such an assembly why should the insurrectionists have hesitated the rioters of the next day did not hesitate a moment the order of the directory had somewhat intimidated them but Chabot, the deputy so celebrated for his violence at the jacobin club hesitated to reassure them to-morrow said he you will be received with open arms by the national assembly people count on you the faubourg saint-antoine was in commotion cordocet said in speaking of the anxieties expressed by the ministers is it not fine to see the executive asking legislators to provide means of action let them save themselves that is their business the most christian king is treated like a divine master pétion mayor of paris is to play the role of pontius pilate he washes his hands of all that is to happen he orders the battalions of the national guards under arms for the following day not in order to oppose the march of the columns of the people but to fraternize with the petitioners and act as escort to the insurrection this equivocal measure he thinks will set him right with both the directory and the populace to one he says i am watching and to the other i am with you the rioters count on Pétion as anarchy counts on weakness he is precisely the magistrate that suits the faubourgs when they resort to violent measures a last conventicle was held at the house of Saintier, the brewer chief of the battalion of the national guard of the faubourg st antoine on the night of june nineteenth and twentieth it broke up at midnight all was ready The leaders of the insurrection repaired each to his post. They summoned their loyal adherents and sent them about in small detachments to assemble and mass together the working classes as soon as they should leave their houses in the morning. saint had declared that the National Guard could offer no opposition to the rioters. Rest easy, said he, to the conspirators. Petion will be there louis the sixteenth no longer feigned not to notice the danger who knows said he during the night to m de sherby's with a melancholy smile who knows if i shall see the sun set to-morrow chapter seventeen